You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Logan Kane is here to tell you, get in line now. Next on Corn Field Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines Metro, located in, I guess, technically Urbandale now, but it's Waukee School District. Waukee School District. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got a they got a school in every suburb, I think, in the Des Moines Metro. Thanks for checking in with us. This is Sean. Like I said, Pastor Sean of Redemption Hill Church. This is Logan Kane. Logan, say hi. Hello. Been a while since we've done a podcast together. Yeah. Uh, and now I am an official uh, member of the Ministry of Truth. So I'm <laughs> so, here to keep you in line. So this is a mashup of 1984 and Brave New World. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's set the table here because you brought this topic to me, Yeah. which means... Anything that you hear, if you're the listener, that you disagree with, direct your ire to Logan. <laughs> yeah, it's totally my fault. <laughs> he was like, "What pocket? We should do another podcast episode." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm down." He's like, "What topic?" I'm like, "Civil disobedience sounds fun." Civil disobedience. Yeah, we're gonna talk about civil disobedience. Whether a Christian can participate in civil disobedience, mm-hmm. um, we have some very strong texts that say obey your governments. We'll get to that in a moment. Then I think we have some other texts where there is a legitimate civil d- disobedience taking place. Mm-hmm. And we have to wrestle, like, what are the boundaries here? And we're, we're bringing this up in light of, go ahead and share while we're bringing this up. Yeah. Well, so I thought about this topic with the recent uh, vaccine mandate. So it's in the news. Right. It's in the news. Um, but it's something that, you know, um, different Christians are thinking about trying to think through. I know that Owen Strand has uh, spoken on the topic, yeah, and has. I'm sure many other pastors have. Certainly. And I just thought it would be good for us to th- also think through through that for our local church as a, and anyone that listens as a close friend of mine said it this way he says we're going to talk about the non-mandate mandate <laughs> <laughs> of vaccines and if you're a christian i'm sure you have opinions and i think that's wonderful if you've thought this through regardless of what side you're on um there are some i think a significant amount of christians who are like well you know whether you're, you're for the you could be against the vaccine and against the mandate or for the vaccine and against the mandate. Right. Or you could be for the vaccine and for a very strict mandate. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, government is, is a mixed bag going on here. Government's forcing businesses to exercise mandates and the government's forcing federal employees to get mandates. Right. Um, it's very complicated, very nuanced. For some mm-hmm. reason, the teachers union doesn't have to exercise those mandates. That's political, right? Yeah. Just being yeah. honest. Yeah. So it's very complicated. Everyone's in a different situation, but we want to create the parameters for Christians between these two. Um, what we see in the scripture, this idea of obeying governments and some clear examples of disobedience to the government. Mm-hmm. So it's in the news. We want to help Christians think well about it. We're not here to play our political hand per se. Um, I think we have opinions. Yeah. Okay. You're going to let them out. You're going to let it out of the bag. I'm well, trying to be I Switzerland, mean, man. You can, you can be Switzerland. I might. I mean, to be fair, I I don't think anyone that has been listening to a while, for a while can <laughs> figure out where you're naive. at. <laughs> okay, that's but fair enough. I might be more open. We'll All see. Right. I'm going to do my best to be Switzerland. I want to play it neutral. 
because I do know that uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ, even at our own church, who have various opinions on this and p- opinions that I absolutely respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who want to think about the parameters of something like this being mandated and what's the response, uh, we're here to help you think biblically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you help think from a, a biblical worldview. And I, I, I also wanted to add to that, like, sort of play in my hand in the sense that already yeah i mean my political opinions can be a little bit more extreme than my religious opinions like, what do you mean when, well so okay we're going to get into this topic and i might have a political view that the scripture doesn't necessarily support and i am so you're disobeying scripture i want to set those political <laughs> views aside okay i got you <laughs> because they're going to be wrong yeah and i just want to kind of put that out there because they're there's, I'm sure some people where they're like really, really, uh, like want to create a, like a libertarian commune, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm like, yes. So playing my hand, boom. But at the same time, I'm like, no, scripture needs to inform what I, what I think. That's exactly right. And regardless of, of your political um, preferences, Mm -hmm. if you're a Christian, you want scripture to inform how you think about not only this issue or any issue, yeah. whether it's issues of you know, justice to um, economics, whatever. We want scripture as much as possible to guide and govern and, and sway us in our in our maybe like our ideological opinions that we have over temper here. Temper my zeal. <laughs> yeah, temper <laughs> your zeal. So this important topic, I do think there's a high bar to civil disobedience. Mm. We'll get into that here in a moment. There's a difference, I think, also in Scripture between disobeying a person that you're in relationship with okay. and disobeying the government, civic authorities. Okay. Um, I think there there is a distinction here because I want to make that distinction because oftentimes those two can get, get conflated. So if you tell me to go you know, punch my neighbor, sure. I can be like, no. And everyone's going to be like, it's a good thing you didn't go punch your neighbor, right? You disobeyed the guy you're in a relationship with, right. you know, you're, you're friends with. As opposed to the government telling me to go do something. Um, then you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Um, big brother's telling me to do what? Big brother wants you to punch your neighbor. Also, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, also don't do that. <laughs> but there's there's a different relationship there. Sure. You and I know each other. So we can actually sit down and be like, why would you ever have me do that, Logan? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's go to scripture together and we can reason together. Uh, it's hard to do that when, you know, was it 1700 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, the White House? What's the address? Whatever it is. You're asking the wrong guy. I ain't ain't going to the White House to be like, hey, did you really want me to do this? The relationship's different. And therefore, I think how we think through Mm -hmm. um, disobeying is is different. And there's levels of authority. Yeah, exactly. I I do not have authority over you. If I want you to do something, I really have to ask. Yeah, sure. As your intern, you do have some authority over me. Your pastor, yeah. And my pastor. um, But that's still going to be very different compared to the government's authority over my life. Yeah. Which is then also different than God's authority over my life. Yeah. Before getting into what it means to obey government Mm -hmm. and some of the scriptures that clearly point to that, I think also there's another category here that we need to have in view when we go to the scriptures. And it's that righteousness is a standard when evaluating a principle or law set down by government. Is it righteous? Like if a, does it, does this particular law, can it be, is it informed by scripture 
or can it conform, not conform to scripture, but it's reasoned by scripture. Like there's sure. a righteous standard. Like do not murder is a righteous law right. that we can get from the scriptures. Yeah, easily point to. Yeah, it's, that's the obvious one. Now, you know, don't go 15 miles an hour over, the. you know, when you're going 80 and a, mm-hmm. you know, a 65 or something like that, which I may or may not have been guilty of before. I will not confirm or deny any of that. But that's that's different. But we still want to say, is that a righteous law? Is that mm-hmm. good? Well, you could reason very much so because that law is in place to make sure you don't kill yourself and you don't kill someone else by going crazy on the road. So righteousness is one of these categories that and sometimes it's really clear. Sure. Other times it's a little bit vague and you have to make some application yeah, to get there. Like with speed limits, someone could throw out there, most accidents happen under 30. Just to contradict you. <laughs> I will say this about driving on the interstate. If there's a minimum... Please go above the minimum. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. When we used to live in the Twin Cities. Most, most Americans take the speed limit as the speed minimum. Yeah. <laughs> but occasionally you find that one person who's like, yeah, I'm doing the minimum. And it takes everyone else on the road off. <laughs> I'm doing 40 and a 65. I don't. Just get off. <laughs> go find the please. side roads, please. <laughs> All right. Let's get into scripture. Uh, obeying the government in the Bible. Obeying the government in the, um, in the Bible is really clear. Uh, I think the standard's really clear. Go ahead and let's lay it out. Logan, I'm going to have you read Romans 13, uh, verses 1 to 3. I don't see it. Sorry. You don't see it? You don't want to see it? So people just listening on my hands over my eyes. Oh, man. All right. Sorry, I'm being goofy. I'm in a good mood. That's good, man. All right. Uh, First off, Romans 13, verses 1 through 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. That's quite quite strong. If you resist the authorities that God has put in place, Mm -hmm. you will be judged. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll break this text down, Logan. Um, you, got, you had thoughts before we... Uh... Well, do you want to go through all of them or do you want all right, to... All right, it's fine. Let's go, yeah, go, to, go, and go I to kind of have Peter. like a, a full... All right. A full picture? Go ahead. Yeah. So First Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, Be subject to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Every human institution. Everyone. Isn't that qualified? That's interesting. Go ahead. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as set by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as a people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And yeah, finally, yeah. in Titus 3, verse 1, uh Remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. You know, it's interesting, and then I'll let you talk about, you give us your thesis and summation of these passages. I already made a comment about Romans 13. I make a comment about 1 Peter 2. Submit to your governing authorities and mm-hmm. be free. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. And it's in, it, freedom or, or slavery or bondage isn't um, necessarily what government you find yourself in sure. and what they're doing to you, but it's found in whether you do good or whether you do evil. I find that really interesting because oftentimes, right, we, we we equate freedom with our political situation. Our freedoms are being taken away, sure. you know, you could say or whatever. Um, but that's not what 
you know, this particular passage says. All right, your summation of what we read here, just these three passages in the New Testament. Right. So there's, my mind goes down basically through different logical trails. Yeah. First, the question comes, are these texts absolute? And what yeah. I mean by that is when Romans 13 and First uh, Peter talk about submitting to either the governing authorities or every human institution, does that mean always? Right. No exception. Right. I think we would both agree quite easily that that is not what Paul is actually instructing. Correct. Correct. These uh, are not absolute statements. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry, before you continue on, like any Christian can come to that conclusion right quickly. You throw yourself, you know, review the Ten Commandments real quick. Mm-hmm. And if the government's telling you to you know, disobey one of those commandments, then you realize this is not an absolute statement, right? Right. It's so, abso- exactly. So you can quickly come to the conclusion that when governing authorities or a human institution commands you to do something that is clearly against what scripture has prescribed, mm-hmm. you know you have the freedom to do civil disobedience. Right. So I think that is the most firm category we have when talking about this is if the government says to murder, says to steal, whatever, yeah. we have the freedom and I would say like, even the obligation at that point to disobey. Oh, obligation. Absolutely. Right. Because we'll talk about this more, but, you know, Acts 5, 29, mm-hmm. obey God rather than man. Right. Now, in that situation, there were religious leaders who were in authority, not mm-hmm. political, but they function in many, in many respects as political leaders as well. Sure. Um, the other thing is that we see where the authority comes from, mm-hmm. um, which I think is something that we as Americans have to actually think through well because we live in a uh, republic mm-hmm. where we elect constitutional our constitutional republic. Uh, republic where we elect our leaders. I've read some articles where people let's share on the Supreme Court. Go ahead, <laughs> <That> bunny trail. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right. Yeah, legislate from the be- bench. Woo woo. All right, um, but I've seen many articles and people discussing that since this is a constitutional republic, the government is actually the people. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if the government gives a law that we don't like, we're free to disobey because we are that authority. Yeah, we the people. We, read we, the we the people. I don't think that quite holds for two reasons. One, the way elections work is that, you know, by the majority vote, these people are being put into authority to have authority over the people that elected them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. You're essentially giving up your authority to the people that you elect. Two, we see from this text that any person put into a position of authority be it a senator uh i was about to say congressman which is the same as a senator congressperson yeah yeah the house of representatives um and our president they have been put there by god Mm -hmm. ultimately their authority is derived from god he is the one that is appointing governing authorities yep um and i think that's something that we really need to remember even when there's a president that we don't like who is not a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even if we look at evil leaders, God has put him there for what purposes. Sometimes we, we don't can't always know. know. Yeah. Um, but ultimately their authority and their position has been given to them. Good or bad. There mm-hmm. is not a leader. God hasn't sovereignly put in place. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, you, you got to come to terms with that because when you start looking back into history, there's a lot of evil leaders we can begin to mention. Mm-hmm. You can go to the Old Testament in particular where we see a ton of evil leaders. One can go to the book of Daniel right away and you think about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's got this whole story where he repented and, you know, he was mm-hmm. eating grass all of a sudden. Um, and so Nineveh is another great example of a city that was called to repent. The leader repented. Mm-hmm. The city followed suit. But mm-hmm. then we read in uh, Micah, Nineveh just reverted back. Right. And, you know, God's retributive justice was on display with Nineveh. So regardless if you're the good leader or bad leader, God is sovereign over that particular leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with that, in these passages, we do see, I think, so I think we personally see what the actual role of the government is. Yeah, what's the role? Specifically, um, this is actually a little bit further in Romans. I believe it's Romans 3. Let me get that pulled up real quick. I come prepared. <laughs> oh boy, good intern. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, mm-hmm. but to bad. Would you have uh would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? They do what um then do what is good and you'll receive his approval. Um so we see that part of the role of government is the punishment of evil and the praising of good. You also see that in um the first Peter text as well it's really hard to read with the microphone like covering up one eye <laughs> so i can't trying see to you're do this yeah. like <laughs> yeah if you're, if you're listening you can't see how close that microphone is to your mm. your mouth yep so verse 14 in first peter is um or to governors who sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good so, so we, you so you think there's some categories here for government yeah and this their, kinda, their responsibilities and roles right and this kind of has been changing as i you know been preparing for this topic because it's a big topic you yeah, need to huge. think it through is i think you actually do see some restrictions on the authority of government it is to punish evil yep and they are to praise good those are the main roles of not government. to institute their version of good right but praise good praise good so so we talked about this earlier because you had mentioned this you want to talk about it and i think that's great this is like negative and positive rights mm-hmm. I- explain that because if, if you hold this view that's what we're getting into all of a sudden right. this would be the role of government according yeah. to scripture yeah we're getting a little bit into i would say an area that is a little bit more open to interpretation 100%. in this case 100 you know, we got the hard, if it's a, clearly against scripture, then mm-hmm. just don't obey because right. you can't can't do that. But here I think we see the, so the positive and negative rights. Negative rights are actually a good thing. It's basically saying that you have a right not to be aggressed upon. So mm-hmm. um, do not murder me. Right. That's a negative right. Correct. I'm basically asking you to abstain from an action. And the government has a right to enforce that and to punish those who would break that particular law. Yeah. And I think you can derive that from these texts since it specifically mentions that they punish evil. Yeah. And the question becomes, is this, is this the scope of it? Is, you know, is, there, is scripture not speaking something about government that is perfectly acceptable? You know? So I hear what you're saying. Like, is this mm. a, like, think of it as a regulative or normative principle. Sure. If it's regulative, then, you know, this is what government is, exists for. If it's normative, then it's like, okay, we, we see this and there's more mm-hmm. that could be acceptable as well. That's true. And that's tricky. That, well, that's where the interpret, the interpretation really comes in. You can have a varying views of this. We have some principles and the question is, okay, what else, if any? Mm-hmm. And this is where 
I think we have to be really careful not to create absolutes because there are different types of governments that exist that don't hold to these values that we read in Scripture. Right. Where Christians can live and potentially thrive. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll talk about whether they're living in civil disobedience in places like China or in a communist country that tends to be more anti-religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but point point being, Christians exist in multiple kinds of governments. Right. Um, but the question becomes, are we moving toward an ideal here? Right. In terms of what a government should be. Yeah. I think in these texts, you are definitely seeing what the ideal is. Yeah. Do you um, think Do you think our founders had that in view? Because that, that's, that's the debate, like especially in the universities and the college campuses when you take civics classes. You know, we all know that all the founders were not Christian. There were some, certainly. Sure. But I think a case... Many theists. What, what's that? Many deists. Many theists, absolutely. Thomas Jefferson being one of the most notable in terms of being a deist. But it certainly holds that there's a Christian worldview at work, uh, Christian principles that, that was pervading culture at the time. Mm-hmm. What other what what other ideological structure could there have been? I mean, perhaps some secularism, especially you know when you talk about what the things that Thomas Jefferson was influenced by from places like France in terms of their ideological system. But there's no doubt that there was some type of Christian worldview that was the dominant. Doesn't mean there mm-hmm. wasn't other ones, but that was dominant. So I'm yeah. not surprised that when you think about American civics and government, mm-hmm. and you look at the Bible, you're able to map it on pretty cl- you know pretty quickly, right? Where it may not be the case in a lot of different oh, you know, countries. Oh, totally, totally. Um, not, yeah. not everyone agrees with that, by the way. Right, right. Yeah, but, yeah. Some people would say that America... I definitely agree that America was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would say that they disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, and they're, they're welcome to that. But I'm reminded of... Oh, I forget what his name is. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> but he said that the Constitution is in, um, holy uncapable of governing a non-religious people yeah which i think helps indicate that yes when the constitution was being made it had in mind a religious people and had mm-hmm. in mind judeo-christian values yeah. i don't think how i don't know how you create a system and not have that in mind mm-hmm. and you see that in the constitution free freedom of religion for example right i mean the inalienable rights that you have that, that coming from somewhere about, well they they rooted it in god <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly. So there is there's there's something pretty clearly influence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So so let's get back to uh, these texts here. Here's what we do know for sure. These are conclusions we can take away regarding a Christian's response to the government. God appoints governing authorities. Right. God's people are called to honor, submit, and be obedient to God's governing authorities. Right. Mm-hmm. We also said that's not absolute, but generally yeah. speaking. Within, I think, within their given prerogatives, their jurisdictions. Right. And, and then the question becomes, and we can, this is a debate that will continue on forever. What are those jur- jurisdictions? What are those prerogatives? What are the boundaries? What are the lines? For Christians, I think it's actually a little easier mm-hmm. because we have clear principles written out in Scripture that sure. the government can't cross for us. So that let us now transition into disobeying the government. Okay. All Which right. we've talked about a little bit already. Yep, we yeah. have. But, but we've also been very clear that mm-hmm. we're called to obey the government. Right. And it's, it's trying to navigate the principles uh, which exist. I mean, think of it this way. Our Bible is more significant to us than our Constitution or mm-hmm. the laws of this country. And so we look at Scripture first, and then we look up and say, okay, what are the laws? You know, what does the Constitution say? Right. So Scripture is our main guide and governing authority. So disobeying the government in the Bible, um, there's a direct role of government 
that can cause sin. I would, I would say that's like an active role that government saying. It's like, you need to do this, and that's sin. Sure. And uh, we would say we would reject that. We already talked about murder being one of them. Uh, government prohibits something, and that's kind of a passive way to cause Christians to sin. Mm-hmm. So if the government would come and say, you cannot ever, ga- ever gather for worship, um, it's not telling us to do something. It's saying that we can't do something. Right. And as Christians, we would say, uh, no, right. sorry, um, God said we need to gather, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, so an example of the first would be like mandating that people should steal. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you were to say like God had, or the government has given a law that says you can steal or should steal when you're poor and unable to provide yourself, mm-hmm. we would say that would be a bad law that should be disobeyed because it's actually commanding you to sin. And then for the second one, you you would give like an example of you cannot gather. So those, that's what you mean by active one, yeah. go do something. The other right. one, don't do that. Right. Exactly. When it's actually contrary to scripture. Right. And you see both, um, in government, uh, biblical examples of disobeying, uh, unrighteous rules or laws. We can go to Daniel. I think Daniel's in the Old Testament, one of the most clear books mm-hmm. of disobeying government. There's two uh, big examples, Daniel 3 and then Daniel 6. Daniel 3, you're dealing with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. They would not bow the knee, the knee to Nebuchadnezzar. They're thrown into the into the fiery furnace, right? Mm-hmm. And God protected them. Then we get into Daniel 6, and basically an edict was passed where... Um, you know, the king needed to be worshipped and for 30 days, and Daniel's like, mm, nah, bro, hard pass, sorry, bro. I think I preached a sermon on that when I did God, government, the gospel. Yep. And I got all fired up because Daniel, when he went up to pray, he, I think he prayed in the same way that he had did the day before that, the day before that, the day before that, which was in front of his window, window wide open for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. And he was unashamed to worship his God. Mm-hmm. And so he was thrown into the pit and we got a big lion who's chasing him around. Probably not really. Uh, God protected him. And that was an example of, you know, Daniel disobeying, God providing, protecting. Now, those are unusual in terms of God's response in one sense, right? Sure. If yep. we disobey government uh, because we're first obeying God and, you know, we go to the gulag yeah. or something. You're not always going to be saved from the you're not. Yeah, exactly. God had a purpose for saving Daniel. He, he yeah. might call you home. Yeah, he might call you <laughs> home, man. That's exactly right. Uh, so, and then finally, we said this earlier, Acts five twenty nine. Uh, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Mm-hmm. And I think these are the clear examples of what we were talking about before of those, those hard instances mm-hmm. of disobeying the government. Yeah. There's clear, clear commands that go against what God has prescribed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, where does our conscience come in? Cause we, cause there's the, um, you know, Paul talks about like, it's lawful for you speaking religious law, mind you, not, not civil law. You can go ahead and eat this meat. But if your conscience is telling you not to eat this meat that has been sacrificed to idols, mm-hmm. obey your conscience. Um, I believe that's in first Corinthians. Yeah. Am I right? Or is it Romans? No, it's Corinthians. First Corinthians. Yep. Does that sort of conscience rule apply in the case of civil government because even like martin luther i believe is the one that said like it is dangerous to go against conscience i think when you talk about conscience 
you have to have a high standard. What I what I, I think I blogged about this recently, where sometimes conscience, the case for conscience can be used as a junk drawer. You know, I don't like it. Therefore, I'm just going to throw it on the conscience card. Sure. You know, my free card. Yeah. It's like my get out of jail card. Look, sure. my conscience, you know, I, I do think there is Christian liberty on various issues. So for example, um, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That's Romans fourteen five, And so conscience actually does play a role, especially in areas where there isn't necessarily a right or wrong. Like, should you eat the meat? Should you not eat the meat? You know, should you mm-hmm. go to the festival? Should you not go to the festival? And Paul's basically like, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how about you don't pass judgment on your brother, which is later in Romans 14, 10. It says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Oh, you, why do you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. So it was Romans. So it was Romans. But, but there's an example also in Corinthians, and we can get to uh, Acts 10 as well. When we talk about Cornelius. Right. And so we're in multiple places here at this point. But can you think of a law? that you think would be okay to disobey because of conscience. Yeah. If, if, yeah, that's a good one. Um, a, a law that one could, a Christian could fall on either side of the aisle, basically, mm-hmm. man, there's gotta be plenty. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I'm just trying to bide time. I mean, I, I've had this conversation about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm convinced that, you know, if the government said, you know, we're taking your guns away from you, mm-hmm. that um, they're within their right to do that. I, the Bible doesn't say I need a gun in order to protect my family, you know, for example. Okay. Uh, I've, I've heard Christians take that the other way. Sure. And that, that gets into a matter of interpretation, perhaps a matter of conscience as well. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, because uh, maybe on the flip side, I'll play devil's advocate here. No, the devil doesn't need an advocate, bro. Yeah, always great to be the devil's advocate. <laughs> Some being on the right side of history right there. Oh, jeez. I'm kidding, joking. But I could be the devil's advocate where it's like, okay, you say that the government has a right to take away your guns. Where I could say, actually, I think the scripture is pretty clear that as a husband i'm supposed to provide and protect for my family certainly but you could and you could protect in multiple ways right but in this modern age if someone were to come who is armed with a gun Mm -hmm. i am not able to protect my family as effectively but that's that's always gonna be the case like if you let's say you you had a gun someone comes with a tank you know it's like you don't need a tank i mean (laughs) maybe you want one doesn't a tank doesn't (laughs) yeah Maybe I'm cool with tanks, but a tank doesn't get guarantee a victory. I think we've seen uh, examples pretty recently in world news that having some <laughs> tanks versus a guy with a gun didn't work out so well. Oh, you had to go there. I'm not naming names, but but no, but seriously, we're making like, the point actually because we're arguing over an issue that mm-hmm. you know it's again a matter of interpretation, but also about conscience as well, right? Like for you, the consciousness, I'm going to protect my family. Right. And I'm not saying that's necessarily my actual position, but you can see where someone could go there when mm-hmm. it comes to a matter of conscience. Yeah. Any other topics come to mind? I mean, we kind of took a, um, took one. So vaccines in some cases, and I'm not talking about the COVID vaccine. And I also Just want to be clear that I'm not, I'm not against all vaccines. Correct. Same thing. But some people for their conscience, they know that some vaccines have come through aborted fetal cells. And research using aborted fetal cells. Yeah. And their conscience binds them and they say, I don't want to give 
get a vaccine or give a vaccine to my child because it can support the abortion industry, which they're vehemently against. And on the other side is these vaccines do good to Mm -hmm. protect and uh, protect a human life. Right. And so, again, a very controversial issue in light of COVID vaccines, but a very real one. Mm -hmm. Actually, what we're saying is like this debate extends much farther than a COVID vaccine. Yeah, because I don't know if the current COVID vaccines used aborted fetal cells for research. They may have. I don't know for sure. We got a friend to call to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) But like you can look this up. There is plenty of vaccines that have used, I believe, specifically aborted fetal cells from the 70s, which they've duplicated. But there's still more that get used. That's something that you can research and that's going to be a conscience issue. Yeah. And I think we need to respect one another, not pass judgment on on one another Mm -hmm. as we read in Romans. Um, that's really significant. So what about a mandate? Can you disobey the government if it's mandated? Because right now we're arguing in the, in the space of, you know, it's not being mandated. Mandated. We just disagree on vaccines and whether we should get them. Mm-hmm. But let's say the government's like, you have to get the COVID vaccine or any other vaccine for that matter. Is there space for a Christian to say, no, I think there is. We think about your body's a temple. Mm-hmm. But even that debate you know, one could argue on one side, like my body's a temple, I'm going to get the COVID vaccine to protect myself. Or on the other side of the debate, I'm going to get the COVID vaccine because my body's a temple, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um. So oof, this is tough. So again, we're getting to the, the those gray areas. Absolutely. So one, I think you can make an argument from conscience that you you feel that the vaccine could possibly be damaging or at least risky um to your to your health because we don't this is just a factual statement we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine um people have died taking the vaccine and we're gonna be really careful we say that we're not here to scare anyone right yeah um and i would say for the most part the vaccine has been affected to effective in reducing your chances of hospitalization yeah i'd agree um but if someone has those concerns and they think like you know, as a good steward of my body, I don't want to take this. I think that can be a conscience issue. Mm-hmm. Back to what I was previously talking about with Romans and First Peter. Romans 13, First uh, Ro- Peter 2. Yep, Romans 13, First Peter 2. This is my interpretation, which is a soft interpretation. I'm not like super firm on this. This could mm-hmm. charge. I think mandating um, vaccines falls outside of God's jurisdiction that he's given given the government. What about render to Caesars what is Caesars? Render to God's what is God's? Does that apply here? It could. I think because your body is ultimately God. Um, Owen Strand talked about this in his podcast episode on the mask mandate. He quoted plenty of scripture. I can't recall them at this moment. But he talked about how when it comes to your actual physical body, there are three people that have authority over your body. God. Yep. Your spouse. Your spouse. Absolutely. And then you. Yeah. You're third. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but when you're when you're married, yes, your body belongs to your spouse. So let's let's tease this out a little bit, especially when you talk about vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, God, right? And let's say you think God is okay with it, and you're in a, a marriage, right? And your spouse is like, "Could you please get the vaccine?" And your not thrilled about it, maybe against it. What do mm-hmm. you do? Do you go get the vaccine? 
man. You, you see, you see how, oh, he, yeah. you see how his logic all of a sudden it's like puts it, puts things in attention right quick. If there's a disagreement in, in the home on the issue. And by the way, there probably is a lot of people, a lot of homes, a lot of spouses, marriages that uh, aren't in agreement on this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, man, asking for wisdom. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> give me wisdom here to answer uh, this difficult question. Uh, give Logan wisdom. It's gonna be it's gonna be a conscience issue. Put that on the conscience card. <laughs> You're throwing everything on the conscience card. <laughs> not really. Well, because you gotta think. Because as a husband, we have the responsibility of leading and guiding our family, mm-hmm. and but we also want to care for our wife and take their things into consideration. Yeah. If you are absolutely convinced that this is not just something that it could be good could be bad but it's it's legitimately harmful to you mm-hmm. and your family mm-hmm. i think you could make grounds in that case to not heed your wife's plea because sure. you're trying to you're trying to guide them like or it'd be like if 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 my wife asked me to you know stop going to church like sure you know but that like, one's really no, that one's really right clear I'm, in scripture. I'm, I'm yes i'm saying so we're going from the clear to the unclear yeah i'm yeah. saying that there's a general principle that yes we're supposed to love our wives care for our wives 100%. and our body's not our own but if they were to ask of something that is detrimental that doesn't mean we have to yeah you know grant that request yeah i look at this so, from a different perspective here like for example if if you're the main provider of the family in terms of your job mm-hmm. and if you know, just if obeying the mandate against your conscience means that you provide for your family, I think that's another moral argument that can be made yeah. to get the vaccine. You didn't ask that. Well, I know. I'm just <laughs> I'm just taking it from another angle here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just absolutely. that tension that can exist within the home. And, yeah. and it could be that both spouses both agree upon, you know, the review of the vaccine. Yeah. I would tend towards if the wife is really concerned and that she would really like it. I will speak of my wife. If my wife is really concerned and she really, really, really wanted me to get the vaccine. I would probably do it for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I just am saying that there is grounds to refuse. And it goes that both ways too, right? Mm-hmm. You could be a champion of the vaccine, yeah, and so on, saying, you know, I don't agree with you, and you could lay down that liberty, mm-hmm. you know, to be at peace in the home. It mm-hmm. goes both ways. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Whether you're you know pro vaccine or anti vaccine, it certainly goes both ways. You know, and maybe there's just one that's like, let's wait and see a little bit more. Sure. Because there's a new vaccine on its way that's, I heard, a little bit more traditional where it's yep. building up antibodies. Yep, but. yep. It's, it's held up right now, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. in the works. On the topic of, of civil disobedience, though, right. I think there's grounds to civilly disobey, and I also either th- on conscience. And or... I also think there are Christians in history who have disobeyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of the civil rights movement, for example. Mm-hmm. You had a godly, not everyone was Christian, um, who was fighting for civil rights, but there were there were Christians who were fighting for it mm-hmm. and leading the charge who were disobeying laws Yep, and, um, and peacefully disobeying laws for equal rights sure you know and i think that's an instance the confessing church in germany during world war ii mm-hmm. one thinks of the confessing church you think of dietrich bonhoeffer immediately right and they were certainly breaking laws under nazi government um i mean dietrich bonhoeffer starting a seminary in the basically in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. was against the law in secret in yeah. secret yeah and that'd be another example of civil disobedience you know the underground church in china right now as we speak i mean again this is the obvious because they're called the gather. Right. But they're cl- clearly disobeying 
the Chinese government to not meet because all churches in, in China need to have the stamp of approval mm-hmm. from the Chinese government. Which oftentimes means that they stop kind of being the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's difficult. I'm not there, but right. when the government gets its hands into the church, it's never a good thing. Right. Um, anyways. Yeah, so those are definitely examples of, of those more clear and cut. And then you've been grilling me about vaccines, which is less clear and cut. Yeah, I'm making you handle that one, man. Right. Um, so there's a lot. There's, there's many directions we can go here. I think, I think if we were trying to summarize where we're at is that uh, there is a place certainly in scripture for Christians to obey the government. You're going to make the argument that there's some limitations on that. Yep. I and probably I, think there's more limita- limitations than Yep. And I tend to most. agree with you on that, but I, I, would, I would say there's, there's some open interpretation regarding that. Mm-hmm. But it's clear God has sovereignly placed authorities, uh, government authorities, um, in particular positions from the president to your local mayor to the school board in America. One of the beautiful things is that we're in a democratic Republic. And if you don't like that person, you can vote him out. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. It's not like that anywhere else. The United States is extremely unique in terms of, yeah, unless they're on the Supreme court. <laughs> that was my line earlier. Right. <laughs> uh, point is, is that there's a place um, we need to take, we need to respect God's authority mm-hmm. and his sovereignty. Right. I think that before you even get to the civil disobedience argument, that has to be weighty on you. Mm-hmm. And if I also want to point out, uh, this is this is a quote I love from John Calvin. Um, wicked, wicked people get appointed wicked rulers. <laughs> yeah, it's a popular one. So yeah, it, if you're thinking like, oh, this president's so wicked, be like, we're yeah, kind of well. a wicked people. Um, <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> in a way, we kind of deserve it. <laughs> As John Calvin might argue. Right. So, uh, yes, there's a place certainly for authorities in our lives. Mm-hmm. Also, we've saw many, you know, certainly not many, but several examples in scripture of disobedience. Uh, go read Daniel. There's no way you can't get past back to Daniel, past Daniel and not be, realize, whoa, mm-hmm. that guy, he disobeyed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they disobeyed. So, hard rules for disobeying government if it's against the Lord's word mm-hmm. directly. Yep. A little bit softer if it's going... It's gray. A little bit grayer if it's going against your conscience. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a well-reasoned... You're not just like, I don't like this, so it's on my conscience. Right, right. So those were probably the two main reasons why you could disobey. And I would even way. add, if you're going to make the conscious argument, you need to, you need to ground it in Scripture still. Oh, yeah. Because then it becomes a matter of... Interp- not necessarily interpretation, but application. Right. And so the conscious card isn't like, I don't like it, so therefore it's, well, this is scripture. This is what I read in scripture. This is how I think I should apply scripture. Mm-hmm. That's when the conscious card gets played. Right. So it's not that it's ungrounded. It actually is grounded very right. much in it's scripture. It's based upon principles that you see in scriptures. Right. Because let's be honest, when it comes to vaccines, the scriptures don't speak directly to whether or no, not. No, not at all. So you have to apply those principles. Exactly. So, so it's either hard against the scriptures or... It's possibly against principles found in scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on civil disobedience, Logan? Anything you want to add? Um. Not that you should execute right. the right. <laughs> yeah. Or not the right. The uh, you know execute civil disobedience, but right. Yeah, we as Christians we have to learn to you know choose and pick our battles. I do think yeah. we have the freedom to to unconscious of disobeying the government, but is it worth it? Yeah. Um, 
Is that a greater good argument? Mm, not necessarily. Okay. But like, I'm trying to, this is so hard because I'm like trying to like not be like go ho, yeah. like gun ho about a specific sure. position. Yeah. Because I just, I just tend to be like rah, rah, rah. Rah, rah. Um, I think we, I think Christians more often than not should be obeying the government. Um, even yeah. in, even yeah. with laws that are, in my opinion, a little bit outside maybe their jurisdiction. Sure. Because I think, for instance, traffic laws. I think those are fine laws, um, even though they don't punish evil um, specifically. And that's, again, my interpretation of Romans 13 and yeah. First Peter yeah. th- uh, 2. Um, There's a lot I, of laws where they could be disagree- em- eminent domain. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a very against eminent domain abuse um, because I think that is more like people joke that taxation is theft. I legitimately think that's theft. You can't just take my property and throw me a money bag and be like, here you go. I wasn't selling. (laughs) There's this big tangent. (laughs) There's this big, don't get me started on that. (laughs) There's this big sign going North on 35. I don't see see it it anymore. Stop eminent domain. Yeah. There's, there used to be huge signs. Stop eminent domain abuse. I was like, what's that? And then we looked it up. Like on the way, and I was like, "Yeah, stop that, <laughs> naughty That's government, terrible." <laughs> like you just lose your home because. All right, <laughs> all right, cool down. So, yep. did I play Switzerland pretty well? Uh, I think you did all right. All right, I tried to do my best. I want to be balanced. I know yeah. there's very oh, opinions here. Another final thing I wanted to say: sure, continue to like look into this, research it, think it through, mm-hmm. because we have been blessed in America that we haven't had a really big need to necessarily think it through like this is true let's be honest like vaccine mandate that's kind of what started me thinking about that that is a less that is a much less severe situation to be like i need to think through this than oh the government is saying i can't meet in church yeah or, or that christianity is illegal so let's put it in perspective you know yeah let's like i would say start thinking thinking about this stuff not because i think america's going the way of like north korea <laughs> that's quite a stretch <laughs> right yeah, yeah in north korea christianity's illegal you'd have to think about civil disobedience in a very yeah. real way we're worried about vaccine mandates put it in perspective but also make sure you are thinking through those things i, th- I think you make a good point here in that um as long as this country has existed Christians have not had to think about the topic of civil disobedience. However, on balance, a lot of Christians throughout history have had to wrestle with this. Oh, yeah. Americans have been quite fortunate um, to not needing to, you know, wrestle with this. I, I would encourage you if you if you want to, you know, think through this biblically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain books out there. I think you mentioned Owen Strain. I think he's a good resource. His podcast, The Antithesis, I think. Um, I read, I've read Rob Dreer, uh, live not by lies, the Benedict option, right. Uh, in particular, live not by lies was a good book. And I think that's a good resource. If you're trying to think about, okay, what is, what's biblical here? How do we be a Christian within a society where it's hostile to Christianity, whether it's the laws or whether that's just the government mm-hmm. in general, uh, there's a lot to be thinking about. Yeah. I mean, there's one book I want to read that I haven't called taxation is slavery where they, uh, they're probably a little bit stronger on the civil disobedience, oh, front, really? but okay. it could it could be a good resources resource for seeing a little bit um, stronger of a view on civil disobedience. Yeah. 
Um, I, I do think though, we got to reiterate over and over. It's a high bar. Oh yeah. It's a really high bar. There's no way you can't Don't. read Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, you know, Titus 3, you know, uh, verse 1, and not come away with the conclusion it's a high bar if you're going to disobey government. Mm-hmm. And don't make it lightly. And don't make it lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And one thing I'd also encourage to think through, maybe we could talk about this. We've gone a little long, That's but right. civil disobedience, is it ever okay to disobey violently? No, I, I, this is where I'm, I think peacefully is the key word here. Peacefully disobeying. Now, we're not getting into just war theory. I think that's a different conversation for another day. Sure. You know, can a Christian go to war when called upon by the government? Mm-hmm. And you willingly go. Sure. Although, certainly there are cases where you, some unwillingly went um, because they were forced to by the government. But I, I say, by and large, peaceful civil, civil dis- disobedience. Yes. And this is where the, I think... You know, the Martin Luther King Juniors, you know, during the civil rights movement did it the right way. Mm -hmm. And and those who joined him who were pastors of churches who were fighting against unrighteous laws, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They did it the right way. It was a a peaceful movement. And their peaceful movement won the day. Um, So I'm not a big fan of violence. To be fair, the Revolutionary War also won the day. You know, I thought about that too. And I'm like, do we want to go down that road? Like, were the revolutionaries on the right side? Maybe not at minute 49. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. It comes down to righteousness. And that's why I let out with that. Maybe it's why I'll end with it. When you look at your government and then you look at Scripture, it, are they acting righteously? And if they're not, then you got to think through, okay, what are the implications of, of their unrighteous actions or unrighteous laws? Mm-hmm. Uh, because God has a standard of righteousness. Um, so that, that particular theological word is so important here um, when you think about civil disobedience and the Revolutionary War, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So anything else, man? No, I think we've been concluding for like 10 minutes. I know. It's All like right. a Minnesota, right. Iowa goodbye. goodbye yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll end with my little quip about Cornfield Theology. Cornfield Theology is a resource engaging theology and culture. Our goal is to produce meaningful content that is biblical, relevant, and fosters ongoing discussion. You can check out our blogs. And by the way, you, if you want to hear my voice in the blogs, that's there. Most people don't want to hear my voice. So you can just read the blog. Uh, but I get a lot of positive feedback I on the voice. I prefer listening. I get a lot of good feedback like if, on that. If yeah. I'm working and like I need to, like I want to listen to this blog, boom, it's like a I podcast. Know. So we, we provide that when we can. We got previous podcasts that you can check out. Did one recently on moving toward biblical justice. That was fascinating with our friend Eric from Philly. Also did another one on ooh why we are pro life. That was a great conversation with a friend that we mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. from Minnesota who's a pastor, and a bunch of other stuff we've done that right. Recently, intersection of faith and um, and fitness. That was a good one with mm-hmm. David Bush, another guy that we know. So you can check all that out at cornfieldtheology.com. Be sure to like, give five stars, and Apple Podcast. And if you're on YouTube, there's like 80 things you need to do. You got to hit the bell icon. You got to subscribe. You got to comment. You got to thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> YouTube just makes it really complicated. But if you're more tech savvy than me, you'll figure it out right away. And that's it for now. Oh, if you want to receive the latest from cornfieldtheology.com, put your email at the bottom of the website and you sign up and you'll receive it right into your inbox. We're getting fancy. I know, right? Or it's always been there. It's always been there. You never know. Okay. That's it for now. God bless everyone. Peace out. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 
You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Hey 